2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We started our series this morning, Reboot. We're talking about ruling authority. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 through 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time, and I pray that you would take this time that we would have, and that you would help us focus upon your word and only think about your word. And Father, I would ask that you would help us to have the word of God as the ruling authority in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would help me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically to be able to deliver this message. I thank you for these dear and precious people. I thank you for the privilege this mine to be able to pastor here. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to get across to you the, the the thrust of this is the importance of the authority of the Bible in every believer's life and that the Bible needs to be the ruling authority in all of our life. We talked about this morning that if, why should the Bible be the ruling authority in our life? And I mentioned to you this morning that you will be able to survive and thrive in an evil age. And you can read it, but I won't do it for lack of time. In verses 1 through 9, where Paul talks to Timothy about the evil age there. And then he goes on and he says, but you must continue, but continue thou. And if you're going to thrive and survive an evil age, there must be a continuing. And we talked about making that commitment to continue in what the Word of God has to say. To continue to follow the Bible, no matter if it's easy or if it's hard. There are some passages in the Word of God that are easier to follow than other passages in the Word of God. But friends, this evening, all of it is the Word of God and all of it is to rule our life. And not only do we talk about continuing, we also mentioned to you this morning that you must follow. The Bible tells us here that Paul told Timothy... That we should, that he should have, that he should be remember, he should remember those who had taught him these things, and and be assured of those things. And he was, I believe, he was referencing his his mother and his grandmother, and and also uh, uh, Paul himself. And he was saying, this is, uh, these are the type of people that you are to follow. Those that have the Bible as their ruling authority. And I asked you a question. Would you be one, in this church, would you be one where other people could look at and say, I can follow their Christianity, I can follow what they are doing as a Christian because the Bible is the ruling authority in their life. And we talked about how that if we're not careful, we can get off course and, and, uh, and not find true north. And if we, we just vary one degree, that it can set us in a totally different direction it can put us on a totally different course. 
But this evening, must, uh, not only must the Bible be the ruling authority in your life so that you can thrive, survive and thrive in an evil age, but I want you to understand this evening that the Bible ought to be the ruling authority in your life because you will only have, you only will have uh, uh, totally one reliable book to guide you. There is only, you will have the only total, uh, totally reliable book to guide you, and that is the Bible. There is only one book in, in, in this world that, has, that is totally reliable, and that's the Word of God. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture. You know, there's no shortage of self-help books uh, uh, in in the bookstores today. And the self-help industry, if you were to look it up, you'll find the self-help industry and these self-help books uh, make up about $10 billion per year. It seems to me that the self-improvement and self-help industry is helping themselves to some serious cash. I'll be quite honest with you. But if you read those books and I'm not saying that necessarily those books or programs are bad, but what I'm saying is, but those books, if you read them, they're not totally reliable. You read one self-help book, and it's going to tell you to do one thing. You read another self-help book, and they're going to tell you to do the exact opposite of what that other self-help book told you to do. Friends, can I tell you, if you want a self-help book, I would just pick up the Word of God, and I would start reading it and following what it has to say, because it's the only self-help book that you can totally rely on, and you don't have to worry about one day picking it up, and it's saying one thing, and then the next day you pick it up, and it says say something else, because what, when the Word of God speaks on something, it only has one meaning. It may have multiple applications, but it only means one thing. See... Those self-help books, when compared to Scripture, they're not reliable. The great thing about Scripture is that it is totally reliable. You say, how, how can we be sure that it's totally reliable? Well, when you look at a book, you look at its author. See, you can rely upon the Bible because, uh, letter A, you can rely on the author. See, the great thing about Scripture is that it's totally reliable for all people in all cultures. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from or what your history is, what your economic status is, what your educational background is. It does not matter. But the Bible can be relied upon because of its author. And one of the things that you first look at when you pick up a book is, who is the author? You ask yourself, well, is this author credible? Do they know what they're talking about? I mean, you really don't want to pick up a book on how to raise kids from somebody who's never had kids. Though everybody who has never had kids, they know how to raise kids. You know. And they know how to fix you. Well, if you would have just done this and done that, yeah, okay, all right. Or you don't want to read a book on how to fix it. If I wrote a book on how to fix a car, you wouldn't want to read it. Because I can't tell you how to fix a car. I, I, I could tell you how to uh, maybe study the Bible. If I wrote a book on how to study the Bible, you may want to read that. There's other people who can do a much better job than I could, but you may want to read that because I, I do know how to study the Bible. But you don't want to read a book from, that's, that's designed by me or authored by me that how to fix a, a car or how to build a building. You don't want to do that. Why? Because I am unreliable. I don't know that subject. You look at an author and you say, do they have a history of knowing the facts? You look at an author and say, well, do they tell the truth? 
Oh, how about Dan, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code? Yeah, what a liar. You can't trust that book. He, he lies. Lies from cover to cover. How do you know? I said, I read the book. I wouldn't waste my time if I were you. But you look at the author, you say, are they, are they truthful? And that'll let you know whether the book is worth your time and, and, and reading it and, and worth the influence that it's going to have over you. I want you to take a look, if you will, back at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, all scripture is given, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture's been given to us by God. That means the scripture, listen, that means the scripture originated with God, not with man. You say, how do you know that? Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Too many times people, uh, listen, liberal preachers and liberal theologians will tell you, well, that was written by man and they were influenced by society when they wrote that and they wrote that in a, hey, hey let me tell you something. The Bible plainly t- teaches us that these men were moved along by God. The Bible plainly teaches us that this was not written by man, but that it was written by God himself. God is the author. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this cause also, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of it, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now turn over to Second Peter, if you will, please. So you receive it as the word of God, not as the word of man. See, many times the people will get upset with a preacher when he starts preaching the word of God and he's preaching hard on the word of God and he's calling sin, sin, and, it, and he's calling things out. And they say, well, that's just that preacher's opinion. Well, if he gets off the Bible, that may be the case. But if he is reading to you the Bible and preaching to you the Bible and it happens to step on your toes, then the problem's not with the preacher. Why? Because the preacher didn't make up these words. This wasn't written by man. It was authored by God. Take a look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something this evening, that the Bible does not come from best-selling religious ideas from prophets and apostles. The Bible came from God. He spoke to these men, and they recorded what we call the Word of God. So it was not man, ultimately, who wrote the Bible. They are not authors in the truest sense. God is the author. And it goes without saying that since God is the author, and since you and I, we are bought with a price, then the Bible ought to be the ruling authority in our life. You can rely on the author, but you can also rely on its authority. The Bible is the revelation of God. You can rely on its authority. The Bible is the revelation of God. It says all scripture is given by God. It is the actual words of God to man. And since God is the ultimate authority and God cannot be separated from his word, you and I can rely upon the authority of the Bible. I believe in the inspired word of God. I don't believe that that People say, well, well, do you believe every time it comes off the press that it's the inspired word of God? I believe that it's the preserved, inspired word of God. That this book 
right here has been preserved down throughout the ages from uh, the autographs and the manuscripts and all down throughout the ages and all the various translations to be able to bring to us what we have right here. And I believe wholeheartedly that God has preserved his word and he's preserved it and he has kept it and he has inspired it down throughout the ages. Take a look, if you will, in Isaiah chapter 42. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 42. You can rely on its authority. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 8 and 9. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things I, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Take a look at Isaiah 44, if you will, just a few pages over. We can rely on its authority. Friends, if you can't rely on the authority of the Word of God, some people, well, let me back up and say this when it comes to inspiration. Some people say, well, parts of the Bible are inspired and other parts aren't. Could you please tell me which are and which aren't? Is the part about salvation inspired? I hope so, because if not, then we're all dying and going to hell. See, you've either got to accept it that God preserved his word and that he preserved and inspired his word, that the inspiration is preserved, that God really wrote this, or you can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to the word of God. And too many times we've allowed, we, we have allowed um, the Bible, uh, people uh, talking heads and and big-time professors and Dr. So-and-so to, to, to actually help us uh, think about the Bible and, and water it down. Well, folks, we, we don't need to water the Bible down. We need to accept it as the ruling authority in our life. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and as Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. And who... As I, and who as I shall call and shall declare and set in order for me since I appointed the ancient, since I appointed the ancient, ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. There is, there is a God, is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 46, if you will, please. Isaiah 46, a few verses there. You can rely on the author. You can rely on its authority. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east. The man shall execute my, executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. There is authority in the word of of God. If we believe that only some parts are authoritative and other parts are not authoritative, my question to you is, then which are and which aren't? Folks, be careful when you hear scientists say, well, uh, and, and maybe archaeologists say, well, we've never found that. The Bible claims that that place is here somewhere on the earth, but we've never found that place. We don't have any records of that place. Listen, we don't need history to, to verify the Bible. Science was wrong long before 
before um, they ever consulted with the Bible. You say, what do you mean science was wrong? Science thought that the world was flat for many, many years. If they would have just read the Bible, they would have known that the world's not flat. It's round. The Bible talks about that. And when, let me tell you something, when history, when archaeology, when science contradicts the Bible, the Bible, what I find interesting is most people go and they claim that, well, there's an issue with the Bible. Have you ever thought maybe there's an issue with science? Maybe there's an issue with the historical facts. Maybe there's an issue with archaeology. And I can say, not maybe is there an issue, but there is an issue with it because the Bible is authoritative in all matters what it speaks on. When it speaks on science, it is authoritative. When it speaks on historical places, it is authoritative. When it speaks on archaeological facts, it is authoritative. And you cannot get away from it. Why can I say that? Because it is inspired of God. It's been God-breathed and given to us. And we can rest on its authority. But not only that, let her see, you can rest on its accuracy. Take a look back at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If a book is going to claim that it has authority, it goes without saying that it must be accurate in what it says. Right? I mean, if a book is going to say, or an author is going to say, I am an authoritative expert on this, whatever that may be, put in whatever subject, It goes without saying that it ought to be accurate in what it's saying it's authoritative on. And for us, we can rely on the accuracy of the Word of God. Why? Because it's been inspired of God. You say, what does that mean? It means that it is God-breathed. Just like I've been speaking here for the past 15, 20 minutes or so, you have heard me breathe out words. None of those words are inspired. None of them. But they were breathed out from man. When you speak, you breathe out words, if you will. And God has spoken and has breathed out his word. The difference between what man breathes out and what God breathes out is that God's words are totally inspired, infallible, and inerrant. Charles Hodges, a great theologian of years gone by, says, Inspiration was the influence of the Holy Spirit on the minds of certain select men, which rendered them the organs of God for the infallible communication of his mind and will, that what they said, God said. Amen. See, the point is, here here you go. The point is that this book is as reliable as God is reliable. You can bank on this book. You will have the only total reliable book to guide you. See, it's inconceivable to think that the God of truth would breathe out error. Think about that. Don't we say, did not Jesus say, I am the way, the what? The truth. That means all truth, right? All truth. All truth ultimately goes back to God. So then, it is inconceivable when men says, well, there are some errors in the Word of God, or there are some contradictions in the Word of God. This just doesn't match up, and that just doesn't match up. 
It's inconceivable that a God of truth would produce a book that would contain errors because you cannot separate God from his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You can't separate it. So for, for, for man to say that there are inaccuracies and, and that it's, it's not as accurate as it should be and there's some errors and there's uh, inconsistencies and there's contradictions, you're actually t- attacking the character of God. See, we need to hold on to the fact that the Bible ought to be the ruling authority in our life because of the author because of the authority and because of its accuracy. God's not going to give us his heart and his mind on a situation if it's full of errors. See, there's no other book upon the face of the earth that can make a true claim of total accuracy except for the Bible. There are those who make attacks upon the word of God. To be honest with you, I wouldn't give them two moments of my time when it comes to them making attacks upon the Word of God. Listen, you start undermining this book and you start doubting this book. You start tearing down the foundations of this book and guess what? You're going to find yourself in a mess of trouble. You start saying, well, you start looking at this book as a smorgasbord like you're going to Golden Corral. You're going to have problems. See, you either have this book as a total ruling authority in your life or you don't. But you know what the worst kind of attack is? Listen to, listen to me now. I want to try and help you. You know what the worst kind of attack upon the Word of God is? It's not those who try and undermine it, say it's filled with errors. And by the way, it's not. Why would we believe man's Word over God's Word? And by the way, just let me, I'll get back to what's the worst attack on the word of God. Remind me if I forget. And by the way, why would, why would, number one, we believe man's word over God's word? And you know, the Bible wasn't written so that we would be able to figure out the complete mind of God. Let me tell you, there's certain things in Ezekiel that I scratch my head at, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm not quite sure about that, and I'm not sure how that all fits together, but I know it's in the Word of God, and I know God doesn't lie, so I'm going to just trust it and believe it. It'll be very interesting to see one day, and I'm looking forward to seeing it, and then God will be able to explain it to me then. But if you remember with me, some people say, well, I just can't, it's just not understandable, it's contradictory. Do you remember what the Word of God says? The Bible plainly teaches us anyway. That God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So there are some things in that book that are higher than what we can understand. And we just have to take it by faith. I don't understand everything about the book of Revelation. I don't understand everything about the, uh, uh, in, the, in the book of Daniel. Uh, there are certain things you just have to take by faith. Like, what is that? Like the crossing of the Red Sea. 
When was the last time that you saw a sea open up and then, and then uh, uh, God allow a couple million Jews to go through it on dry ground nonetheless? I don't know if you've ever been a lake in, into a lake that's been drained, but it usually takes a pretty long time for that to dry out. But God seemed to be able to dry it out instantaneously. You say, well, how do you explain that? Explain that to me scientifically. Well, and you get these, sometimes these Christian scientists and say, well, the wind blew and God pushed it back. No, God just said, I want it to be dry and it was dry. That's the only explanation I can give you. We try and explain away God when he says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Now, I'm not talking about that we just ought to have stupid, blind faith and, just, and, and, and not be able to look at the Word of God. And, and the Word of God gives us facts there. But the simple fact of the matter is this evening that sometimes when we can't understand it or sometimes when we just got to scratch our head and sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us, doesn't mean that the Word of God is wrong. What it means is that we are fallen creatures and we're dependent upon a holy God and the Holy Spirit to continue to guide us in his Word. And we just got to accept it by faith folks. That's it. And we got allowed to be the ruling authority in our life. But you know what the worst attack is? See, I didn't forget. You know what the worst attack is upon the Word of God? The most devastating and undermining, uh, the, the best way to undermine the Word of God is not to have the atheist up there touting their thing that this is wrong and that's wrong and all these kind of things. We found these errors. That's not it. But I'm going to tell you what the worst and the devastating, most devastating way to undermine the Bible. It's when Christians, listen, it's when Christians say that we believe this word from cover to cover, but in actual life deny its authority to rule our lives. That is the most devastating and undermining way to destroy the Bible. That we say that we believe this book from cover to cover, but we don't actually live it out. I wouldn't say that we really believe it if we don't live it out. The question is this evening, are you allowing the Bible to rule your life? Is that the ruling authority in your life? Let me ask you something. Please tell me anything else. Please tell me anything else that's more reliable than the Bible. How about this? Are your feelings reliable? <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I lived by my feelings, I'd be all over the place. Sometimes I'd want to hug you, and then sometimes I'd want to slug you. <laughs> right? You'd want to do the same to me, too, right? Because our feelings are all over the place. So can you totally rely upon your feelings? How about this? Can you totally rely upon other people? How many times have you been let down by other people? How about your own, in your own marriage, you're let down by your spouse? Of course, not my marriage with my wife or me, but I mean, she's let me down one or two times, but it's tough living with a perfect person. You would say that's foolish, and you're right. We let down each other, don't we? You can't rely on that. How about we're going to depend upon, totally rely upon our government? Oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> now we need to pray for our president. The Bible tells us that. doesn't matter what you are, independent, green party, purple party, Democrat, Republican, pink party. I don't care what party you are. We're to pray for whoever is in office, and we need to pray for our president and those people around them. 
and make wise decisions. If they don't know the Lord, that they would come to know the Lord. I've told you that as long as I've been your pastor. And, and when uh, President Obama was the president, I told you you need to pray for him. And now that President Trump's the president, you need to, you need to pray for him. But we, folks, we can't rely on our government. Our government can't even rely on the government. So we can't rely on our government. We can't rely on each other as we fail each other. We can't rely on our feelings. So then if we can't rely on those things, then what can we rely on? See, and we allow so many other things to rule our life instead of the authority of the Word of God. And that is the only thing that is totally reliable. See, there are Christians who regularly go to the ruling authority of the world and its wisdom and its way of living instead of allowing the ruling authority to be the Bible. You know, I, I remember back in the day sitting in the pews when they were orange. I remember when this whole auditorium was orange. We had orange pews. We had orange carpet. We had plastic orange windows. When the sun in the afternoons, and you were sitting here around 6 o'clock in the evening or so, and the sun in the summertime would pierced through those windows, it was like you were living in a giant bowl of tang. <laughs> I remember those days. And I remember Dr. Spock, a child psychologist and a child, a child uh, uh, how to raise your kids and about their self-esteem and all this kind of stuff. And I remember a preacher, and if you don't know who preacher is, preacher is my father who pastored here for 43 years. Preacher getting up and saying, you shouldn't listen to Dr. Spock. You need to listen to Dr. Jesus. I don't know if you remember, but I remember it plain as day. Dr. Spock's going to lead you wrong because Dr. Spock's saying you shouldn't discipline your kids. You might hurt their self-esteem, and you should not use corporate punishment on your kids because they might self-esteem, and that would hurt them, and they're fragile and all this kind of stuff. And I remember a preacher just railing and preaching the paint off the walls that you need to listen to the Word of God, and you need to follow the Word of God. And then I watched certain people, or I watched our world, and you see what our world has come to now. Look at what we've got now. You want to know why? Because we allowed that ruling authority in our life instead of the Word of God. So my question for you this evening is the same that I asked you this morning. Then what are you going to allow to rule in your life? See, and I'm not just asking for part of it. I'm asking that you place the Word of God in every area of your life. So that means that the Bible ought to rule the friendships that you have. That means that the Bible ought to rule the things that you listen to. That means that the Bible ought to rule the things that you watch. That means that the Bible ought to rule how you raise your kids. That means that the Bible ought to rule how you love your enemies. That means that the Bible ought to rule how your marriage is. That means that the Bible ought to rule where you should work and where you should 
not work. That means that the Bible should rule how you spend your finances and how you don't spend your finances. That means that the Bible should rule every area of your life. And too many times what we allow or what we want in our life is we want a segregated Christianity. Because there are certain areas of the Bible that are comfortable for us. And there's other areas of the Bible that aren't comfortable for us. But my friends, the Bible is the only thing that we can totally rely upon. And we must. We must submit to it. If not, life's not going to work out for you. It's just not going to work out for you. And you wonder why you're frustrated as a Christian. You wonder why there's no joy in your life as a Christian. You wonder why you're always cattywampa as a Christian. You're going sideways here and you're going over there. And you're wondering, because you're trying to segregate the Christian life. Well, I'll listen to God on this point, but I'm just not, I just. God's not asking for part of your life. He's asked for all of it. Aren't you so glad that God just didn't save part of you? Could you imagine if God's salvation was like we treat the Bible as the ruling authority in our life? Could you imagine? That wouldn't be much of a salvation. And it's not much of a Christian life when we don't allow the Bible to completely rule our lives. So let let me just say this to you for, for marriages here. So when he or she does something that you don't like and it gets on your nerves, you know, you know, after being married for about three days, you know how to push each other's buttons, right? Then how do you respond? This is where it gets real right here, Right? How do you respond? Well, she pushed my buttons. I'm going to push hers. Or I'll just ignore her. You know, man, I just wish that she would just shut up. That's a real Christ-like response. Mm -hmm. See, and we wonder why we have problems Because you know what's ruling you at that point? It's not the Bible. It's your emotions and it's your feelings. Well, I always have to say I'm sorry first. I'm tired getting treated like a doormat. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus didn't say, you know what? I'm tired of getting treated the way I've been treated. You people don't even know what you have in front of you. I'm the God of all creation. I am perfect God and perfect man. I've come to save you from your sins, and you don't even appreciate it. Matter of fact, disciples, you run out on me, and then, Peter, you deny me? You know what? Save yourselves. And you know, when we respond in not the proper way, and just, I'm just using marriage as an illustration... You know what we're doing? We're basically telling that person, save yourself. Go go save yourself. 
Instead of saying, you know what? The Bible's the authority in my life. God's the authority in my life. And so when he or she does not treat me the way that I feel that I should be treated, I must remember, number one, that Jesus was never treated the way that he was, should have been treated. And number two, that I need to be an example of what it means to love like Christ loved. Now, folks, that's a whole lot easier to preach and stand up here and we can talk about it than it is to live because in the heat of the moment when you're standing in the middle of the kitchen and you're hungry and the, the, the food is burning and the kids are crying and the, and the TV's blaring and the dog is barking and the cat is meowing, well, get a gun and kill the cat. And, 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 and all these things are going on. It's a whole lot easier to preach about, but that's where you gotta say, whoa, hold on a second. I need to allow the Bible to rule in my life. But you know, if you were to allow the Bible to rule in your life all the time, consistently, when the pressure's on, you know what I'm talking about, right? When the pressure's on, you can almost guarantee that if it ruled in the calmer times, and maybe in the times where you're walking with the Lord, it'll be a whole lot easier to let it rule when the pressure's on. You often tell people, and I tell young people, don't try and make the decision when you're in the middle of it. Make the decision before you ever get there. So why don't you decide this evening that I'm going to make God, I'm going to make his word the ruling authority in every area of my life. Every area. So when God speaks, I'm going to listen. When God says go in this direction, I'm going to go. When God says do this, I'm going to do it. When God says, don't do this, I'm not going to do it. See, we're going to make it the ruling authority of our life. But the problem is that many times the reason the Bible is not the ruling authority in our life is because we know more about the Eagles or the Cowboys or the Sixers or whoever than we do the Bible. See, the reason the Bible can't be the ruling authority in our life is because we really don't know what it says. So for you to make the Bible the ruling authority in your life this evening, you've got to be in it. You've got to know what it says. You've got to, and then you've got to submit to it. I've got two more points, and maybe I'll... I haven't blogged, put on my blog in a while. Maybe I'll just throw those points out on the blog for you because I'm done. But I want you to ask yourself, if the Bible is not ruling all of my life, then what is and can I truly rely upon it? 